Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Let's welcome our A-Team guest, uh, Andrew Obelhoser, who's no stranger to the A-Team. He's the CEO of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening to you and to your listeners. So um, for those who are not sure what do you do exactly at the Prostate Cancer Foundation, please uh, give us more info. So Prostate Cancer Foundation is a non-profit organization. Um, a lot of what we do is raising awareness around prostate cancer. Uh, especially about age-appropriate screening. Many men don't know that there's no symptoms of prostate cancer in the early stages, and that it's important for them to go for screening for black guys and anyone with a history of prostate or breast cancer in a first-degree relative. Screening should take place from the age of 40 for, for everyone else from the age of 45. Um, we also have a website, a uh, Facebook page, and we, we, we get a lot of information out, um, not just on um, dealing with screening, but also on supporting men after They've had uh, treatment for prostate cancer, making sure they understand what treatments are available for them and that they make an informed decision when going for treatment as well. So we've got a medical and scientific advisory board uh, headed by Professor Shingami Tanvira. We have a patient of, of a division as well. So guys have been through um, the experience of uh, having been diagnosed and treated for prostate cancer, volunteer and assist us with raising awareness, and they also support other guys on our email support groups uh, as they go through the journey of prostate cancer. So, yeah, it's the most common pro- uh, cancer in men in South Africa. So uh, important that, that men know uh, about screening and what the options are for treatment and that they support each other um, as they go through the journey. I heard you earlier saying it's uh, quite important for black men to also be going for screening. Is it because it's prevalent amongst black men? And if so, wh- why is it prevalent? Has uh, scientific research revealed this? So and we're not sure what the reason is. We think there's a genetic um, factor involved, but black guys are 60% more at risk for prostate cancer, and they're also about two and a half times more likely to die than white guys from prostate cancer. So they often get prostate cancer at a younger age and a more aggressive form of prostate cancer. There's a lot of research going into trying to identify um, what, what the actual genes are uh, that lead to this, but we're not quite sure at the moment um, exactly what the what the reason is. Sure. So science is still trying to figure it out, possibly genes, lifestyle, or even uh, diet could be a contributor. Yeah. So, yeah, a number of different variables there. And one of the, the problems is that we don't know what causes prostate cancer. Um, we haven't been able to identify that yet. The only modifiable risk factor that we've identified um, is the number of ejaculations that a man has uh, throughout his adult life. So guys who are having more than 21 ejaculations or at le- about 20% less risk of having prostate cancer. And again, we're not quite sure of the reason why, but that's, that's what some of the scientific um, studies have shown us. Well, A-teamers, we are talking about sexual problems after prostate cancer, but it is very uh, wise for us to have a background of prostate cancer. That's why we've got the CEO of the Prostate Cancer Foundation, Andrew Obelhoser. Please do call in with your questions or your comments on 011-714-2006 or send us a WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. SMSs go to 41391. Andrew, how will one know when it's time to go for a screening 
So as I said, unfortunately, there's not symptoms in the early stages. That's why we recommend that, that men actually start going for screening, um, knowing what the advantages and disadvantages are of screening from about the age of 40. So as I said, for, for all black guys and anyone who has a history of breast cancer or prostate cancer uh, in a mother or a father or a brother or daughter uh, should also go from the age of 40 and then all other guys from, from the age of 45. And that, as I said, is because there's no symptoms. So this cancer, when we catch it in the early stages, um, there's a very high cure rate. Uh, once this cancer spreads throughout the body, we call that metastatic prostate cancer. There's no cure for that, unfortunately. And guys with metastatic prostate cancer, after about five years, only 30% of them will be alive. Whereas if it's caught and treated in the early stages, uh, 98% of guys will be alive. So that early detection is really key with prostate cancer. Let's talk about how the screening is done and uh, how we can put men at ease because we know it's not easy to get a man into the doctor's room, um, yet alone if they're not feeling anything wrong with themselves. So how is the screening done? Is it that bad? So the, the, the first test we recommend is what's called a prostate-specific antigen or a PSA test. It's a simple blood test. Um, you can do that at uh, your local pharmacy clinic. You can go to your local laboratory, ask a GP when you're going for your bloods every year because you shouldn't be going for a health risk assessment every year for all your cardiovascular and cardiometabolic diseases. Ask him to include the PSA test in that from, from the age of 40 or 45, um, depending on your circumstances. The other test that we do recommend that I know men are seem to be really scared of and, uh, and it's, it, they shouldn't be is just what we call the digital rectal examination. That's when the doctor inserts um, obviously a gloved and, and lubricated finger up the rectum to feel the prostate for any lumps or bumps. And the reason we still recommend that together with the PSA test is that not all um, prostate cancers will affect the PSA. Um, so it just gives you that uh, extra security uh, of knowing that you've had both tests. And that's just test takes about 30 seconds. Men make such a big deal about it, but it really is not. It's 30 seconds of minor discomfort. So we'd encourage men to, to go for both of those tests and then to keep doing them um, every year thereafter. And that will enable us to pick up any changes, not just in the, if the prostate cancer score is higher than normal, but also if it changes by more than 25%. So we call that a change in the prostate um, velocity. Uh, and then it enables us to pick up the cancer early and then guys have, have options in terms of treatments. And uh, what is the cost of getting these tests done? And uh, can one go to a public facility and request for these tests to be done? So there are a number of initiatives within in public health uh, at the moment to make um, PSA screening available to men. Um, and there are a number of companies that are, are, are trying to launch projects and work with government on this uh, um, it is available in some places in the public sector, and it's one of the things we're working on to make sure it's more widely available. Um, the test is around 200 rand, and it can be done, at, as I said, at, your, at a pharmacy or laboratory. The digital rectal examination has to be done by a medical doctor, obviously. So at least have the PSA test if that's all that you have access to. But if you are one of those men who are going to your, your GP every year um, for checkups, then we would strongly recommend that that, that you include the the prostate cancer screening if you're not already uh, doing so. Let me go to a voice note here. Hi, Atima. It's Didi here from the Northwest. Uh, Atima, can you ask your guest, what is the significance of 
putting a finger through the anus when testing for prostate cancer and how prone are uh, gay and lesbians or like let me say gays the how prone are gays in developing uh, prostate cancer thank you thank you for the question Didi. Uh, andrew could you answer those for me yeah so the digital rectal examination as i said um Simply the, the GP puts a, or the doctor puts a, the examining doctor just puts a, a glove on and, and lubricates the finger and inserts it up the, the rectum because um, the prostate cancer sits just in front of the rectum. So a lot of the cancers will originate where they can actually be felt when the tuber starts to get a little bit bigger. Um, it's palpable with the finger and the doctor will be able to feel uh, little lumps or bumps or nodules um, that indicate that something is wrong there. Um, before going for for a PSA test, the blood test, there are some things you shouldn't do because it can uh, give a false reading, and that's uh, no ejaculation for 48 hours before you go for your PSA test, um, no cycling, um, and also no, in no uh, anal activity of any nature as well because that can also uh, affect the PSA results. Um, in terms of uh, guys' sexual preferences, there's absolutely no impact on increasing the risk for, for prostate cancer at all. We know that there's uh, a lot of people who believe in using enemas uh, to uh, to flush out their bowel system. Does this affect in any way? No, it won't affect the, the prostate in, in any way. Okay. But I wouldn't suggest having an enema before you go for your for your PSA blood test. Mm. But uh, people who are using enemas should not be worried at all. No, no, okay. it's not going to have any impact on your on your risk. So the other risk factors for prostate cancer are age, because as men get older, they're more likely to get prostate cancer. Um, We see more prostate cancer uh, with each decade from the age of 50. Um, And then, as I said, race is a risk factor, and then a family history. So if you've had a father or a brother who has prostate cancer, you're more at risk. And also if you've had a mother who's had breast breast cancer, you also, or a daughter even with breast cancer, you're more at risk um, of getting prostate cancer as well. Now, let's talk about uh, the sexual problems after prostate cancer. At the beginning of the show, we had the privilege of talking to Dr. Kutsio, who's uh, a world-renowned uh, urologist, and um, he's, he's performed uh, a thousand robotic procedures. And he spoke about how, you know, this particular robotic procedure is more precise and has less side effects as opposed to the open surgery. But we are aware that there are side effects once a man has had prostate cancer. And those side effects do impact uh, heavily on their sexual lives. What happens after prostate cancer treatment to a man? Okay, so uh, Dr. Kutsia is actually the chairman of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Uh, um, yeah, congrats to him for, for his thousands um, prostate, uh, robotic prostatectomy. Um, and as he would have mentioned, there are sexual side effects. Um, so the, the treatments for, for early stage prostate cancer are either surgery, so that's the prostatectomy, removing the prostate and the seminal vesicles, or radiation treatments. So the non-invasive treatment option is external beam radiation, and that's like blasting the prostate with um, high-dose x-rays, or the implantation of radioactive seeds um, into the prostate, and that's called brachytherapy. So those are kind of the, and then also the, the other treatment option that tends to be ignored is is no treatment at all, in, in, but just monitoring uh, to see whether this cancer actually progresses or not, because many of them will never progress, and we call that active surveillance. 
So those are all treatment options for guys who are diagnosed with what we call early stage uh, or localized prostate cancer. Um, and all of those options obviously have advantages and disadvantages. So um, typically after a prostatectomy, um, one of the most common side effects uh, is erectile dysfunction. Uh, and the other common side effect is leaking of urine, what we call urinary incontinence. Um, and, and a number of factors will, de- will affect um, how bad that erectile dysfunction is. So um, your erectile function before you have surgery, if you're already having problems then, um, it means that your erectile dysfunction after the surgery is likely um, to be more severe, uh, very much dependent on whether the the cancer has spread out of the prostate uh, and affected the nerves on the side of the prostate um, because the two nerve bundles that give you your erections run along the sides of the prostate. Um, and if the cancer has infiltrated those nerve bundles, then the surgeon will have to remove them. And that will obviously uh, mean you will probably lose your erectile function depending whether they have to remove the nerves on one side or on both sides. Um, and then there are other factors as well. So, um, the type of surgery you have, it seems there seems to be less um, erectile dysfunction with the robotic surgery because the, the surgeons are able to see uh, much better. There's a magnified 3D kind of vision, um, so it tends to they tend then to be a bit easier to spare those nerves. Um, and then, and then as soon as after, as an age will obviously affect it as well. And then, uh, what you do after surgery in terms of trying to recover your the sexual function is very important as well. I've, and then, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. So obviously, with the other treatments, there can also be um, erectile dysfunction with with the um, external beam um, or brachytherapy, but sometimes it seems to be a bit less. So uh, I think the advice for guys is if they're, if they're wanting to be sexually active after they've had a prostatectomy, there's a couple of things that they can do. Um, and the first thing is is what we call penile rehabilitation. Um, and that's to try and as soon as that catheter comes out after the surgery, uh, you need to start um, trying to get erections as soon as possible. So generally, um, the, the the doctors will start with what we call phosphodiesterase five inhibitors, PDE five inhibitors. So drugs like um, Biagra, Levitra, Cialis, um, they would start using those as initial treatments um, if they're not really successful. Uh, and the, the big issue here is that the ner- there's also a certain amount of trauma to the nerves of the surgery, no matter how good the surgery is. So the, the nerves are going to take time to um, just to, to get back to normal, and it can take up to a year, even two years. So you need to be patient as well, but we want to get you having erections as quickly as possible so that, um, so that there's oxygen going um, into the different tissues of the penis because if you don't do that, you can actually cause irreversible damage. So if the tablets are not working, the next option, option is injection, injections into the penis. And I, I know that sounds terrible to men, but it's actually not that painful. Um, so your urologist or a sexual health um, specialist will be able to help you with that. Um, and then if, that, if after a year or two there's still no recovery and you really are um, wanting to have your erectile function restored, the last option is what we call a penile implant, um, where they put uh, there's different options with that, uh, and that's a surgical, obviously an invasive treatment. Um, but those guys will then be guaranteed to be able to have erections. So there's options. There's always options, but you need to start that penile rehabilitation as soon as possible um, after your treatment. 
Let me go to Muzi, who's holding on the line. A-team, uh, Muzi, good evening. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Muzi, can you hear us? Yes. Okay, what's I, your I, comment or question? Uh, it's about the prostate cancer test, uh, uh, testing. Look, um, I've, I've been through that. Um, uh, in my case, I don't have prostate cancer, and I never had. But now, in my case, I had a problem. Uh, when I was a teenager, when when I was uh, urinating, there were some uh, some drops of blood in my urine. So um, and that problem stayed with me for maybe at least eight years until I got a chance to go to Cape Town and I was referred to Hotesky Hospital where I I managed to get all the tests done by specialists, including urologists and others. But um, as far as the prostate cancer, the this um, rectal test is concerned it's not painful at all but it's just too intrusive for most most guys in fact even myself i i was not informed what the test would involve the doctor just said uh, lie there and then he put the gloves uh, but anyway it was quite quick the, the most painful test i would say as far as these uh, urogenital uh, illnesses are concerned is the urethral test um, uh, uh, operation where they they put a, a large uh, iron into your penis and then it must uh, it must clear off some uh, problems with the urethra. But that that was what I was suffering from because they found the problem uh, much later than after I've done tests for almost uh, eight months different tests. But as far as the prostate cancer is concerned, I would recommend. Uh, most most older guys, even those who are in their 30s, if they can get a chance, it's, it's useful to go through and make sure you stay uh, knowing that you are free from that cancer. But obviously, one also needs to change a lifestyle because there's quite a, a few uh, things that one can do to minimize the chances of getting prostate cancer, unless you have a familial problem like as uh, your guest has said, if you have uh, cancer in your family, then your chances are increased. Muzi, thank you very much for sharing. What I want to ask is, uh, are you still keeping up to your annual um, uh, screenings uh, since you are aware that you are currently um, prostate cancer-free? Sorry? Are you keeping up to your screenings every year? Um, um, No, I'm not doing uh, now. Uh, you see, the, te- the, the medical um, uh, uh, medical procedure that I had to do for a few years, I think it was two, uh, three or four years, was urethral test. Because in my case, the urethra, which is the tube that uh, that ejects the, the urine, uh, was um, there was some uh, inflammation or there was some uh, kind of uh, a wound there that happened. Uh, you know, when young boys play, they sometimes put sand and all sorts of things in themselves. So that 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 problem was caused by my um, naivety when I was still a youngster. But unfortunately, uh, it was healed after a lot of pain and so on. So I went through that. But uh, the doctors told me, as far as the prostate uh, gland was concerned, it was fine, and my kidneys were fine, and my my blood was fine because initially I was diagnosed as having kidney problem, but then after I've gone through all the tests at Fortescue Hospital, and, and I'm thankful that I managed to 
get through to Fortescue Hospital because they've got amazing um, urology service there. But um, the tests are painful, some of them, but the prostate cancer test is not painful at all. It's just that it's too intrusive. But if you just tell yourself it's only for one day, once a year, then it's fine. I mean, um, uh, most, most guys wouldn't do it once it's explained to them. But I, I, I would say maybe your guess, if he could, um, maybe in, in his discussion with the doctors or the urologists that, that, that uh, deal mostly with uh, men's uh, illnesses, if they could have maybe some kind of uh, uh, training or some kind of workshop where they could explain to of the patient, especially male patient, because uh, as we understand, it's only men that have a, a prostate gland. So that the procedure is not dangerous or is not like um, it has to do with anything about your whatever they, they call it. But it's just a, a routine procedure which has to be done uh, and is more direct to the prostate gland than the, the blood test or any other test. Thank you very so much. I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. doing it now, but if I was required to do a prostate a prostate gland uh, testing, I would go for it because I mean I know it's not painful. It's just that it's it's a bit uncomfortable to see um, uh, someone, especially a doctor, do that. But uh, if, if, if uh, all kinds of medical tests are sometimes uncomfortable, even this this new thing, this. Um, COVID-19 testing where they take a sample from your nostrils, it's uncomfortable, but it saves your life. Muzi, mm. yeah. you know what? I'm going to encourage you not to stop having your annual uh, checks uh, for prostate cancer. Yes, you've been cleared from your last one, but every year go for it and thank you for encouraging men and giving us your experience i'm sure the a-teamers are now braver let me yeah, go yeah and, Thanks, and also yeah and also the other thing is it would be reassuring to most guys that urologists are mostly men so they would understand it's only that some of them would be a bit rough but if they could explain um, the procedure to their uh, patient then nothing is painful and nothing is uh, is that uh, uh, difficult. I mean, it's, it's a simple test and it's not painful at all. Thanks, so, Muzi. That, Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Andrew, Muzi touches on education and uh, openness from the doctor in explaining to their patients about the screening itself. Is this being done? Because he says he was not told. He was just told to, to lie on his stomach and or to, to lie down and then the next thing there was a finger going up his uh, anus. So is there education done with all the urologists and healthcare providers on how to negotiate and talk to the men about the procedure they're about to do or the screening they're about to do beforehand? Yeah, so I think uh, it would be good practice to certainly say to your patients, I'm going to be doing this, it's going to be about 30 seconds, if not less. Um, and don't worry, it's not going to be painful, as he said. Um, you know, I think it's just a psychological barrier that men have about this. And if you look at women going for their annual um, gynae checks, I think we've made too much of a big deal about the, the digital rectal examination. I really do. Um, you know, it's a healthcare professional that is doing this. It's something that can save your life at the end of the day. So for for 20 seconds of minor discomfort and a bit of embarrassment, uh, you know, live with it. <laughs> In my, 
give my advice to men because it can save your life at the end of the day. Um, and we do have these cancers that don't, uh, you know, the prostate, the PSA test is not a perfect test by any means. You have about a 10 to 15% what we call false negative and false, false positive rate. So it can miss cancers and also you do get cancers um, that are not, that don't cause a rise in PSA. Remember also that a PSA test is not a cancer-specific test. It just tells us something is wrong in the prostate. It could be an enlarged prostate. It could be an infection of the prostate. So after, if your PSA is, is high or your digital rectal examination um, is worrying to the doctor, then and then your GP, GP wouldn't generally do those tests for you. You'd then be referred to your urologist, and the only way to diagnose prostate cancer is a prostate biopsy. And that would involve then um, inserting an ultrasound normally there. They use an anesthetic and they insert an ultrasound um, probe up the rectum and that enables them to guide needles into the prostate and take some uh, tissues out of the, the actual prostate in the different areas. And those are then sent off to a laboratory and they examine those cells under a microscope and they can um, they give you what's called a Gleason grading score. Uh, and that gives them an idea of whether there is cancer and how aggressive the cancer is. Um, so that's just the first step in, in the screening process. The problem they will investigate further. Well, Musa did say that uh, the, the actual screening itself is just a bit, you know, uncomfortable, but it's not that bad. But uh, don't you think, perhaps, Andrew, that men associate uh, this uh, uh, rectum uh, screening with uh, sexuality? Maybe they, they feel as if people will start calling them names that, well, now you've had your anus probed maybe you are homosexual or isn't it associated with that because i don't think it's the pain element that men are, are reluctant to go for these prostate uh, screenings i think you know um we just need to get, get over the myths and the stigmas of certain things um and realize that when it comes to our, our health um there's certain things that might not it's like going to the dentist nobody enjoys going to the dentist um but we know it's important, not just for our oral health, but because you know dental disease can affect the overall health. And this is the most common cancer in men. Um, and, and as I said, it affects guys, black guys particularly, really badly. Um, if you're so terrified of the digital rectal examination, at least go for the blood test. And like the gentleman who just phoned in, my concern is not going for regular testing anymore. Mm. So if he leaves it for another two, three years, as I said, there's no symptoms in that the early stages he could... Uh, develop a fast-growing cancer um, and end up being diagnosed, diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer when we don't have a cure. Um, so what? And, and we see this happening where guys phone me and they've got advanced cancer, and I said, "Well, haven't you been going for screening?" No, I went five or six years ago. I haven't been since then. I just never got around to it. Um, it's like checking your cardiovascular health. Most of the cardiovascular um, diseases, high blood pressure, cholesterol, are not causing symptoms. But if you're not checking them every year, they can progress and cause considerable damage. And the first sign could be a heart attack. So with so many of men's health diseases, we take our cars in for checkups and for regular services, and we do preventative maintenance on them. And men need to think of it maybe in that light. And I need to take myself for that annual 35-point uh, checkup. And one of those things would be the prostate cancer. Um, it's the same with colorectal cancer. When we all get to the age of 50, we need to start screening for colorectal cancer. And I just think we have a lesson to learn from women who, who, who seem to be better at, at realizing, okay, I'm getting to my 40s, I need to start going for my mammograms. Or I'm sexually active now, I need to start seeing my gynae regularly.
So let's take a, uh, some tips from 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 women and and the way that they kind of look after their health better. Come on, guys. That's a call from uh, Andrew Obelhose, uh, CEO of the Prostate Cancer Foundation, saying you can do this. You better do this. It's for your health. It's for your good. Uh, it might be a bit uncomfortable, but it's going to help you. And I know a lot of men who are listening right now are worried about prostate cancer now that they know that there are some um, negative impacts on their sexual lives. So if you don't want to have problems, you better go and check. The time now is 42 minutes after 11. Uh, A-teamers, please interact with us on WhatsApp 0614-104-107 or call in on 011-714-2006. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. There's some voice notes from you here, A-teamers. Let's go to them. Does regular masturbation result in prostate cancer or there is no harm in that KG? Andrew, could we answer KG's question? No, great question. So, um, in, if anything, highly beneficial to to reducing your risk of prostate cancer. Remember, I said that men who are having more than twenty one ejaculations a month uh, have about a twenty percent decreased risk of getting prostate cancer. And it doesn't matter how you have those ejaculations, whether it's through masturbation or, or sexual intercourse. Um, it just seems to reduce your risk, so uh, you can. Um, you can masturbate as much as you want. If anything, it will be beneficial uh, in terms of reducing your risk slightly for prostate cancer. There you go, KG. That's your answer. Masturbation would be beneficial. Another one here. Hello, SAFM. I would like to remain anonymous. I am turning 60 this year. When I grew up, I was, very, I was a very active somebody that is now through sport. I haven't been to the doctor for the last... 13 to 14 years. I don't feel sick. I still do a little bit of exercises. I'm having a normal sex life. But here's one problem. My mom died of pancreatic cancer 2014. My elder brother died of lung cancer, but he was a smoker. My elder sister, he died of breast cancer. Do I have a problem here? Thank you. Bye-bye. Whew, Andrew, um, our A-teamer there, who's anonymous, has had a couple of family members with a different cancers. Should he be going for a screening? So he definitely has a problem. So one of the three risk factors, as I mentioned in the beginning, is a history of breast cancer, you know, first-degree relative, and he has two relatives with breast cancer, I think he mentioned. Um, so definitely he's at higher risk of developing um, prostate cancer, no matter how fit and how healthy is the vice chairman of our, our patient affairs board is to Donny Sibisi. Uh, he was one of the top um, uh, marathon runners in the 80s, um, and he um, developed prostate cancer. Johnny Halberstadt developed prostate cancer. It's got nothing to do with um, being healthy or fit because we don't know what causes this disease. Although I would encourage guys, yes, um, exercise, uh, eat properly, don't smoke, 
but we haven't identified those necessarily as significant risk factors for prostate cancer. But a hereditary component, this where this gentleman has um, cancer genes, um, he's more at risk of prostate cancer and he needs to be going for his screening. I would strongly encourage him um, to get himself off and have a PSA test and a digital rectal examination. So for someone who's got prostate cancer or is currently on the treatment of pro- for prostate cancer, um, how do they deal with the urinary incontinence? Because that's one that could make you really uncomfortable sexually. Yeah, so it's a frustrating problem and it, and it is a problem um, um, and there's different urinary symptoms after the, the radiation treatment as to the surgery. It can take guys up to a year um, and initially they have to wear pads one of the the key things that they need to do is to go and see a physio who specializes um, in in pelvic floor um, dysfunctions and problems. Uh, learn to do the exercises even before you go um, for surgery, and then do them diligently after your surgery as well. That that really helps. And the, the, the one of the problems with the surgery is that they we, they remove one of the sphincters, um, but then you have one sphincter the same as women do. Um, so it's a matter of doing the exercises diligently. Obviously, if you've had urinary problems, um, bad incontinence before the surgery, you're less likely to, um, you're more likely to have problems after the surgery. Um, and then there's a, there are other treatment options um, available as well for guys who battle. Uh, and if after a year uh, and longer, guys are still battling, um, there's the, is the option of putting in uh, an artificial um, sphincter to, conflo- uh, to help with the flow. Uh, control the flow of urine as well and stop the incontinence. Um, one of the um, side effects of surgery can also be what we call climacteria. So that's when guys um, ejaculate. Obviously, if you've had prostate uh, cancer surgery, you won't. You will be having dry ejaculations. In other words, uh, your prostate and the seminal vesicles are normally removed when they do a prostatectomy, and those are the two glands or your internal sex organs that make up most of the ejaculate. The sperm only make up about two percent of that, so you won't you won't have um, physical ejaculation anymore. You'll still have a sensation of ejaculation, though. Um, but some guys have this problem that um, when they ejaculate or orgasm after they've had a prostatectomy, they have leaking of urine at the same time, and that, as I say, is what we call climacteria. Um, and there's different treatment options um, for that, obviously as well. Um, there's a little um, band that you can get but first of all the first treatment as I would say again is the physiotherapy so that's pelvic floor muscle training um, that helps can help with it um, there are things like the penile variable tension loop um, there's just simple tips like empty your bladder before you have sex wearing a condom um, but if, if the problem persists um, there are surgical options available as well um, but again it's, it, often these problems will clear up um, over time, but not always, and then there are surgical interventions. There's the implantation of the um, artificial sphincter, there's the sling option, um, and then there's now uh, another procedure as well with it. When the penis becomes erect, there's a band that they can put in that then um, causes tension around the urethra and stops the flow of urine. So there's always options, but we, we kind of start with the conservative ones, and if those are not working, then we go to the other options. Andrew, are there support groups for couples? Because you can imagine if a man is going through um, 
erectile dysfunctions or, or, or whatever it may be as a result of go, of uh, being on treatment for prostate cancer and they can't have sex with their partner for a prolonged time and that time is sometimes not even known. It could be a couple of months, weeks, years, like you've said. Are they support groups because a married couple or a long-term live-in partner might start getting tired of their partner and impatient with the process? Yeah, I think the first thing to just um, uh, is that men sometimes need to reframe uh, how they think about sexuality. So there's this obsession with um, the ever-ready, steel-hard, erect penis, and that's the only way that you can enjoy sex. Uh, and reframing means you actually don't even have to have an erection to be sexual. Um, you can be sexual with a flaccid penis. Um, you can be intimate uh, without having an erection. You can even have an orgasm without having an erection. So men just kind of, kind of need to reframe their thinking around that. Uh, obviously, very useful for a couple to go um, together um, when seeing a sexologist, and they're, they're good sexologists in the country, all in, in all the different areas. Um, go as a couple, uh, and that will help just um, deal with the different options, uh, get you both involved. Both partners obviously need to be motivated as well. Um, and yeah, it's a journey. We have um, email support groups, so guys can join it, and their partners can join them as well. And, and guys talk very openly about um, the experience that they have and the different things that they try. Uh, and obviously, they're all on the same journey and they support each other. Um, so we have one for guys who've had the prostatectomy, and then we also have started one for guys who've had radiation treatment. And you can just contact Prostate Cancer Foundation, go to our website, um, my our email addresses and contacts are there, and join one of those support groups. It's a big help to know that other guys have been down this road and been on that journey. There's also we're also starting a group for guys with, who have medicine, who've been on what we call androgen deprivation therapy. That's guys who've got more advanced cancer. And the only way to treat that then is to actually take testosterone away. And you can imagine now we're taking your male hormones away. That's going to have a massive effect, not just on your sexuality or your sexual desire, your erections, but also those guys tend to lose uh, muscle strength and muscle mass and their energy and their drive. Um, they can battle with things like depression. Um, so we want to support those guys who are on, on androgen, what we call androgen deprivation therapy, when we have to take the testosterone away. Uh, SMS here from um, a Billy who's in Durban. Uh, Billy's asking, he says he's 71 years old and very sexually active, and he ejaculates more than 21 times a month um, with no problems so far. He's asking if, uh, does he need to get tested? All guys over those ages of 40 and 45 need to get tested. doesn't matter how healthy you are, um, we would encourage you to go, to go for your screening. If we can catch this cancer in the early stages, we can, we can cure it. Once it's spread or metastasized, we don't have a cure, a cure for it. All we can do is slow down the progression of the cancer, um, try and keep you pain-free, and that means taking your testosterone away, androgen deprivation treatment. Um, so, yeah, even if you're 70, super healthy, super, super sexually active, which is fantastic and great, uh, I would still encourage him um, to go and get screened. Andrew, you said that men can have an orgasm without an erection. Please take me through this because I was shocked. I've never heard of this. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the sensation of all men. If you've had prostate cancer surgery, as I said, you're not going to have any ejaculate. It'll be a dry or, orgasm. Um, but as long as there's nerve supply there, you can still enjoy the sensation um, of, of the orgasm. Um, so as I said, this, guys need to maybe reframe their sexuality and, and go and see a sexologist so that, that you can go through this journey together with your partner.
um, and there's different ways of expressing yourself sexually. Um, and remember, it's not about just about you. It's also about um, pleasing your partner. And you, you definitely don't need an erect um, penis. Is not the only way to um, to be able to stimulate um, and have sexual intimacy with, a, with your partner. Hey, gents, you've heard it. You've heard it from Andrew. Andrew Mzi in Kabecha is asking, he says, every time something has been warmed in the microwave and I immediately eat it, I start feeling the energy vibration in my veins all over my body, including in my testicles. Is this normal? Never heard of it before, but um, I'd certainly like to buy one of those microwaves. <laughs> <laughs> a vibration of the you. testicles. Maybe uh, <laughs> Z needs to go for a checkup, an overall checkup, and uh, maybe a prostate cancer checkup as well. Absolutely, yeah. On that note, I'm going to thank you so very much, Andrew, for enlightening us and, and also giving hope, you know, that there is treatment for prostate cancer. And uh, we, we, we can make sure that we live healthier lives. For the benefit of all A-teamers, please give us your website once again. Uh, it's it's uh, prostate-ca.co.za or just Prostate Cancer Foundation, um, South Africa. Uh, and we're also on Facebook, just Prostate Cancer SA. Uh, we're on Instagram as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of great videos there from some of the top um, medical experts in the, uh, in the country. Um, lots of information, and you're welcome. We have a, a, a helpline as well. The helpline's listed on the website. You can phone in with your queries. If you're not sure what treatment to go for, if you're battling with side effects, give us a call. Um, we're there to help you. Excellent. Andrew, thank you once again for your time. It's always a pleasure having you here on the A-Team. Thanks very much, Pat. A-Teamers, uh, that marks the end of the A-Team week. Uh, we'll be back together again on Monday between 10 p.m. and uh, and uh, midnight where we talk late-night conversations. Uh, but we can interact on social media platforms at Patricia N. and Uli. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.